Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line KINY. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Action Line, a podcast through uh, KINY. Joining me today, I have Senator Jessica Keel. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jordan. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm gonna, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to the to the format change, but we'll see how it goes. It's it's only the first run, so it'll be fine. All right. Happy to be your guinea pig this morning. <laughs> now, obviously, the big thing to talk about with you is obviously the session has begun. I haven't had a chance to catch up with you until about now. So what are, how has it been going for you so far? Well, we're off to a to a, a fast start. Um, you know, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, early action, um, a joint uh, session to consider the governor's veto on education funding, and um, <clears throat> the House Rules Committee has uh, has tried to, um, I think, uh, put a whole lot of education issues together into one mega bill that hasn't been negotiated or discussed about, and so. Those conversations are starting to happen now, but it's a maybe I'll say it's been a splashy start. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on. Um, more substantively, uh, the Senate Finance Committee has moved the pension bill out of our committee. It's headed to the Senate floor. In fact, it's been scheduled now, um, and we had uh, had some trouble with flights getting in here at the top of this week, and so didn't have everybody on the floor, and so we, uh, we've held that bill. Uh, just looked like we're holding the governor's State of the State address. Um, we'll get to that pretty soon. We want to send that over to the House as early as we can this session so that they have the opportunity to work it over, uh, make whatever changes they, they need to get to 21 votes, and send that to the governor's desk. Gotcha. Now, one particular thing I want to ask you about is the governor has signed about Louis twelve executive orders so far, which actually makes up about ten percent of all the executive orders ever made since statehood. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I know there's some concerns with some of those executive orders. Some of them were received more positively than others, but I want to get your take on that. Well, uh, it, it is an unprecedented number. Uh, never seen the like in in twenty some odd years around the Capitol. Um, some of them. Um, don't seem like terrible ideas at all. Um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't read every word of it uh, and talked to all the stakeholders yet. But my first impression of splitting the Industrial Development Export Authority Board and the Alaska Energy Authority Board is that that probably is a good idea. Uh, allows more focus on the energy side of things. That's not what Ada has been doing on the Industrial Development Export Authority side. Um, and, and it may even give us the opportunity in the legislature to do more significant oversight of ADA, which um, has had some serious questions uh, in recent years. So um, there are others that I'm not sure I understand from a policy standpoint. Uh, there's an emergency medical services advisory board. It's in the Department of Health. It's made up of people who do EMS stuff, right? God bless them every day. The Department of Health doesn't have a lot of those people on staff. So if they're responsible for regulating it and you delete the board of volunteers who work in the field all the time every day, the Department of Health is going to run with less expertise when they write their rules and regs. Why is that a good idea? I, I don't understand. Volunteers are extremely cheap. You're not slashing the state budget. So where's the good? So, so you know, some of them I just have, have question marks like that. And then there are others where... Um, I, I think I think we're looking at uh, some real risks and some problems. Um, one of those uh, would be some of our our regulatory boards that look at professions. I think he did the board of barbers and hairdressers, the board of massage therapists, and uh, direct entry midwives. Uh, 
So um, there you've got expertise from the profession deciding who gets a license in that profession based on standards, right? It's the government. It's all written down in rules and regs. This isn't the old guilds. Um, But the governor's executive orders would shift that stuff over to the department to decide who gets a license or doesn't. The department doesn't have that expertise, isn't about to have that expertise, is desperately backlogged. The single biggest argument we hear for things like um, people wanting to go to a multi-state compact to license nurses or speech pathologists or audiologists is it takes forever to get a license in Alaska. doesn't have to. We're just so incredibly short-staffed. It's taken six weeks, eight weeks more to get a license to work here in the state. Rather than fix that problem, the governor's executive orders will have the impact of compounding it, making it worse, shifting more workload onto the department that can't handle the workload it has now. Then you get to Haynes, right? The, the Chilkat Bald Eagle Preserve is unique in Alaska law. There was a, an agreement back in 1982 between the loggers and the commercial fishermen and the environmentalists and the miners and the Alaska Native tribes. And everybody up there was fighting about where what could be done and or, or what should be preserved in the Chilkat Valley. That 1982 compromise was incredibly carefully crafted. And it's one of the few things that just about everybody in Haines actually agrees on. <laughs> it's, the community tends to split on a lot of issues, but not that. The council was part of that deal. Here's the interesting thing, Jordan. The law limits what the Department of Natural Resources can do without consulting that council. The governor deletes the council. So he's shifting power. Alaska's constitution says lawmaking, right, separation of powers. Lawmaking is the legislature. Executive is the executive. There are a couple of very small limits on where you can break those separation of powers lines, right? Appointing people is an executive power. The governor does it. He picks his commissioners. And the constitution gives the legislature a very limited say. We get to confirm or deny them right? And the Alaska Supreme Court has said, hey, that's a very, very limited way that the Constitution lets the legislature step on the governor's turf. These executive orders go the other way. For specific purposes, efficiency and organization, the governor can step on the legislature's turf and shift some of the laws around a little bit within the executive branch that govern the executive branch. So can he shift and delete limitations on executive power? That's not organization. It's not efficiency, right? That, I think, is stepping on the constitutional separation of powers. The last thing anybody wants is another lawsuit between the legislature and the governor. Um, But this one raises serious questions for me, in addition to not being a great idea. Um, So... There's a lot of things to talk about with those executive orders. Most definitely. And the one that really stood out to me was the one relating to the the Marine Highway Board. That one stood out quite a lot for me, especially for our region. Yeah, uh, that one, I don't think it has constitutional problems. Um, He's changing who appoints some of the members. Um, I don't think it's a good choice. The main reason we created that board was to just take a little bit of the politics out, right? And, and again, I hate to be the Constitution guy, but if it's in the executive branch, and it is, the governor gets to ultimately say what happens with it. So we couldn't give the board the power to say yes or no to building a boat or changing the shape of a dock or setting the budget, right? That has to be constitutionally. That's the governor's job. But we had a board of people with maritime expertise, 
and from the communities served by the marine highway system to give good advice, make it uh, the best we can so that we're not doing things like, remember we spent $120 million on two day boats that couldn't quite make the run in the time allowed? We, we need to not blow with the political winds and have somebody aboard that looks and goes, uh, hey, fellas, that, 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 here's why that's not a great choice. Um, and, and so we had the, the president of the Senate and the Speaker of the House appoint some of those members. Again, it's just an advisory board. If it had the power to set rules and regulations, it would have to be the governor appointing. So by the governor appointing everybody and them all serving at the pleasure of the governor, you just make it like DOT making all the decisions again. It's, it's back to where we were. That board is pretty functional right now. They're doing good work. They're working hard. They're giving smart advice. So, well, most of the time, sometimes I disagree with them. But that's okay, right? <laughs> it's okay to disagree with people who know what they're talking about and are taking a hard look at it. Why would we just scrub it and make it all people from, from one viewpoint? Or give a power a governor the, the authority to do that? Again, just to give him advice. Doesn't, doesn't make good policy sense, and it just inserts more of that whichever way the wind blows management that has gotten marine highway systems in trouble back into marine highway system. Mm. No, it's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, my next question is, actually, it was an unsure. Were you able to make it to the, the Chamber of Commerce lunch the governor spoke at? You know, I did not make his speech. I was actively working in the Capitol building. I had meetings at that time, and I'm really sorry I missed it. Because mm. I was going to say, I think it's a bit interesting. Uh, during during that speech, he had mentioned, uh, you know, the number of immigrants you've gotten from from Ukraine. But however, about uh, r- roughly an hour, a couple hours before that, he then was seen. It was shown that he was also signed a letter in agreement with uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his decisions there with the border down there. So I think it was just a bit interesting to see that statement, and then something that can be viewed as quite the opposite in terms of his words during his speech. You know, um, the state of Alaska doesn't regulate immigration. The federal government does that. And the governor's words in his speech, which I did read in the press, um, I think were right on. Immigrants add a huge amount to our state's economy, to our culture. Um, their immigrants have a tendency to start businesses in higher numbers, uh, have a tendency to achieve higher education outcomes for them, their children, right? It's kind of the American dream. So um, the question of what's going on in Texas right now, you have to separate out from whatever you think about immigration because the United States Supreme Court handed down a ruling. And it said what I just said. The federal government guards America's border, sets the border policies, sets the immigration policies. No one state does that. And we are looking at some pretty dangerous precedent if one state says, actually, we don't care what the United States Supreme Court says. We don't care how the Constitution reads. And remember, the only ultimate arbiter of that is the United States Supreme Court. So when you say, meh, go pound sand, United States Supreme Court, we'll tell you what the Constitution reads. We have a problem. That's happened before in this country, and the result was horrible. So I understand that there are some negotiations going on in Congress for a border bill. And I know there's a former president who's put his, you know, uh, two cents in on that. And that's fine. You get to put your two cents in. But if you don't make, pass the legislation and you don't change the laws to do what you need, if something's broken in your mind and you just send folks with pistols on their hips and God bless law enforcement, 
right? But if a governor sends folks with pistols on their hips down to violate the U.S. Supreme Court's orders, we're headed down an ugly path. Gotcha. Now, there, the only other really big topic I wanted to hit with you today is really checking in about uh, the BSX. I know there was a bill that was in, uh, I think it was in House of Rules, I believe, recently. And I want to talk with you about that and sort of the steps that are going on there, because I know that it will be approaching the Senate relatively soon. Obviously, government moves at the speed of government, so it'll get there when it gets there. But just getting your take on that, because I know there was a, a lot of public testimony to try and get that BSA increased and then... It didn't appear to really change that much once they chose to move it to the next committee. Yeah. Um, so that, remember when we started out, I said we're off to a splashy start. Um, big headline stuff in there. But um, I'm, I'm a little dubious that it's going to amount to much. So the bottom line and the basic principle um, is that we have got to invest in our schools again. Our public schools are, I don't know how far down from the last time we seriously looked, adjusted the base student allocation, adjusted our funding, right? We can throw technical terms around, but it's how much the state invests in our kids through our schools. And when you've gone since 2017 without adjusting how much you put in, cost of everything is up. <clears throat> the efficiency, we're past efficiencies, right? We saw what happens when you strangle the business office in a school district, um, not that that's supposed to be the only check or balance, but you saw the level of mistakes that can happen when you wring everything out of central office and uh, to, to try and protect school classrooms. But uh, <clears throat> we've had some problems. And if we keep this up, Juno School District won't be the only one. And it still hasn't been enough to truly protect classrooms. So we've got to increase our investment in education. And the bill out of the House to cut from this year is going nowhere. To try and, and put in an amount of money that is a cut from this year, along with a half a dozen other bill ideas, some of which haven't ever gotten a hearing in the Senate, haven't even, one of which hasn't even been introduced in the Senate, and say, hey, Senate, take it or leave it. That's going no place, right? That's just not going to happen. Uh, and, and don't get too worked up about it. Um, we still have to invest in our schools. So the other day on your program, I heard the Commissioner of Education and Early Development say, oh, the charter school provisions have been misunderstood. Don't worry your heads about it. I just reread it on the way into the studio. It cuts local school boards out of charter school decisions. So let's go back to talking about investing in our schools and the budgets, right? Because the dollars are where the notion meets the educational road, right? We can hem and haul all we want, but you put the bucks where you put them, and that decides what you do, because you pay somebody to do work. That charter school provision, the way it's written right now, Juno School District could do everything necessary, make every painful, excruciating, nobody wants to make it decision that we have to do to get the schools on track. And the next year, a group could come in, not to the Juno School Board, who we elect here in Juno, but to the State Board of Education, who does not care about what the public thinks. They've made that abundantly clear in recent years. And say, I want to open a new 75-student charter school uh, in Oak Bay. And another group comes and say, I want a 150-student charter school in Lemon Creek. Another student, another group, maybe a uh, 100-student charter school, let's put that one in Douglas. 
and the Juno School Board would be required to fund and staff them, no matter what the impact on the budget is. We would be worse off than we are today, budgetarily. All those cuts and, and consolidations, the terrible things that we don't want to think about, but are, some of them are going to happen. Yeah, erased with three, four new charter schools with small student counts. Look, charter schools can do great things. We've got several in Juneau, and I haven't, you know, I wouldn't mind at all seeing more if they're well thought out. And we have worked with our locally elected school board to fit them into the budget, right? Figure out where they're going in district facilities or whether they're going to pay rent, because we've done that in the past in Juneau, too. There are budget implications to that. Things cost money. And to say, Juno School Board, you must get your budget in order, and they must. And then say, oh, but you don't have any control of your budget anymore when it comes to this thing that's going to cost hundreds of thousands, millions. That's nuts. And it's not misunderstood. That's exactly what the bill says. Mm. Well, on that, Senator, my only question before you is there is there any particular thing that you wanted to mention briefly that hasn't gotten a lot of news attention that you think should be getting some more eyes on it oh mercy you know jordan um i will tell you that uh we have begun our budget work in earnest um and and it's really important that state government works it you know you you got to pay the bills you got to write the paychecks you got to um you know, keep the doors locked at Lemon Creek. <laughs> First, you got to keep the foundation, get the foundation fixed at Lemon Creek, um, and and have troopers enforcing our wildlife laws and biologists out there counting the fish and setting the goal, the uh, harvest lines. So um, there is a lot of trouble in in the budget right now. We've identified it in recent years. You heard about it with the snap backlog. We're working our way out of that. Um, but that same dynamic exists in all kinds of places around state government. And so we're putting together information. Um, folks are talking to me, talking to my office, um, and, and looking at the governor's proposal. There are some things in there that I think are going to need adjusting. There are some things in there that are good ideas. I don't want to suggest that there's no attention being paid. But what's proposed is not yet enough to fix the problems and make it work. You, you can't have an efficient government if it just doesn't work. So um, I always encourage folks to call me personally, call my office, um, and, and let me know what you see. Where do you see opportunities? Where do you see problems? Uh, because we have an opportunity in the legislature to adjust the governor's budget, whether that's on the capital side, oh my gosh, they're buying this software program, it'll never work, or hey, they're buying this software program, but they plan to do it next year, it's got to be this year or whether it comes to where you put the people, where you put the cash. Um, let me know. We have the opportunity to make some adjustments in that. Um, whenever possible, working with the governor um, to make sure that state government is functioning as efficiently and effectively as possible. So 465-4947, that's the number at my office. Um, you can reach me. You know, I'm on the Internet, and I'm on the social media, and you name it. Um, pick your pick your platform. Um None of the dating apps. I'm not on those. Uh, and, and get in touch with me because I want to hear from you. All righty. Well, on that, Senator, thank you very much for coming in the studio today and taking the time to chat with me. It's always good to catch up with you. And I'll see you. I'll talk to you sometime next month. I look forward to it, Jordan. All righty. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY. Action.
Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. K-I-N-Y.